Hello, we're studying Biblical Grandparents here on Search for Truth. It's your Bible teaching programme with Brian Johnston. Thanks for tuning in, it's great to have your company. Today Brian brings us the sixth talk in this series, where we're seeing what these Biblical characters can teach us. Today's talk is called A Grandson Who Proved a Worthy Successor. So let's learn more about him now with Brian. Thanks John. There's a time to speak and a time to keep silent, so the Bible tells us. Aaron, Israel's first ever high priest, knew that. He and his four sons had the remarkable honour of drawing near before God as they officiated in the people's worship. It was a privilege that others envied. But such proximity to the holy God spelt danger to any who were tempted to be disobedient. This is what we read in Leviticus chapter 10. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective firepans and after putting fire in them, placed incense on them and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me I will be treated as holy, and before all the people I will be honoured. So Aaron, therefore, kept silent. Isn't that remarkable? His two sons had been burned to a crisp in the presence of God. Their ill-fated attempt at some form of alternative worship had drawn God's anger. This is the anger of God that burns against sin, and departures from God's instructions are always sin. The Bible warns us that the God we serve is a consuming fire. He's the same today. How do we react to this incident? With a sense of shock, horror or disbelief? If that's the case, we've still a long way to go in becoming truly sanctified. When one coming day we stand with Christ in glory and we are then glorified in him, at that time when our Christ-likeness is complete, then we'll fully understand this incident and any others like it, which tend to trouble us now when we read God's word. But notice Aaron's reaction back then. Remember, his two sons have just been struck down dead. Moses' commentary on what's just happened is to tell his brother that his two sons hadn't treated God as holy, and so they'd not honoured him before all the congregation. That's straight talking, which might sound to our ears today as being rather short on brotherly compassion. But what did Aaron reply? Did you pick up on it? Yes, Aaron kept silent. That's extraordinary, don't you think? It was then Moses went on to add that the father and brothers of the deceased were not even allowed to mourn their loss. However, alternative provision was to be made. Verse 4 goes on to say Moses called also to Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Aaron's uncle Uziel, and said to them, Come forward, carry your relatives away from the front of the sanctuary to the outside of the camp. So they came forward and carried them still in their tunics to the outside of the camp, as Moses had said. Then Moses said to Aaron and to his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, Do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes, so that you will not die, and that the Lord will not become wrathful against all the congregation. But your kinsmen, the whole house of Israel, shall bewail the burning which the Lord has brought about. How guarded we should be today when someone we know sins against the Lord. It may be they've only done something that's now commonplace in the world. 
we no longer expect them to face a summary judgment of God, but God's actions back then indicate what his attitude still is today. For God doesn't change. Beware of the fact that the world's opinion of fairness is usually well wide of the mark. Serious offences in God's estimation are dismissed as mere indiscretions or lapses of judgment in the world. Sometimes, in the view of society, you have to do wrong in order to do right. We can get carried away in such a way of thinking simply because it faces us on every side to the point that people end up celebrating what the Bible describes as a sinful act. When God expresses himself in judgment, either by action or usually today by a statement found in his word, the Bible, it's not for us to mourn, far less to celebrate with those who are culpable. We are in every bit as much need to learn the fear of the Lord and how to treat him as holy in a profane, worldly environment. The story of the frog put into a pan of water which is being slowly heated is a salutary one. The frog's body is able to adjust to compensate for the rising water temperature. But then the water is all of a sudden too hot and the frog dies. We can so easily find ourselves in a similar type of danger. We can easily become desensitised to God's holy standards by the spirit of the times in which we live. If we allow ourselves to become immersed in the surrounding culture, we too can find our standards being eroded. In practice, this might mean that we tolerate watching movies which our parents would not have tolerated, or even which we ourselves would not have judged acceptable even a few years earlier. What's happening? We are acclimatising ourselves to what the world finds acceptable. Imperceptibly, but gradually, our sensitivity to what displeases the Lord is being eroded. Let's return to where we left Aaron, silently mourning the loss of two of his sons, struck down in a moment by the holy anger of God. That left him with only two remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, to carry on the line of the high priest after him. Eleazar is mentioned first, but for reasons which aren't explained to us, the office of high priest seemed at some point to pass to the line of Ithamar. It was so in the days of the old priest Eli at the beginning of 1 Samuel. But Eli honoured his sons more than he honoured God, and God announced that the line of descent would be switched back again, which is what happened when Solomon succeeded his father David as king and appointed Zadok the priest in place of Abiathar. This was the outworking of the clear principle which God had first sounded to Eli, that whoever honours God will be honoured by God. Aaron then had known personal failings and severe disappointment in his priestly family, but in his grandson Phineas, the son of Eleazar, he would have a distinguished successor. If we dip into the Bible book of Numbers, we can find an inspiring account of Phineas' passion for the honour of God at a very black time in Israel's chequered history. We read in Numbers 25, Israel began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab, for they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel joined himself to Baal of Peor, and the Lord was angry against Israel. The Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you slay his men who have joined themselves to Baal of Peor. 
Then behold, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the sons of Israel while they were weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he arose from the midst of the congregation and took a spear in his hand and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and pierced both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through the body. So the plague on the sons of Israel was checked. Those who died by the plague were 24,000. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, Behold, I give him my covenant of peace, and it shall be for him and his descendants after him a covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the sons of Israel. Those are remarkable words, that Phineas was jealous with God's own jealousy. Jealousy gets a bad press, and often it's very rightly an undesirable trait. But it does depend on the circumstances. It would be wrong for any husband not to be jealous if another man became a rival for his wife's affections. God's relationship with the people of Israel in Old Testament times was pictured in that way, by analogy with a marriage. When Israel went after the gods of the surrounding nations, they were acting unfaithfully with respect to the true God who loved them better than any husband ever loved his wife. Phineas, the priest, was someone who had a clear glimpse of God's holy love for his people, and he was jealous on God's behalf when his compatriots were flagrantly unfaithful to God. How does this affect us? We come to Paul's words to the church of God at Corinth, 2 Corinthians 11. For I am jealous for you, Paul says, with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. Like Phineas, Paul the Apostle was jealous with a jealousy like God's own. The Apostle's jealousy was stirred by the readiness of the Christians at Corinth to become doctrinally impure, even to the extent of embracing a totally false gospel. Paul both visited Corinth and wrote a letter to apply correction, and later, the second Bible letter he wrote to them shows that when Paul later tested the church at Corinth, they passed the test of faithfulness. May we do so also.
Thanks for your talk, Brian, and I remind you once more that we have a free transcript book for this series. It's available to you by asking for the title Grandparents. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You may be interested to know as well that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off-air by audio, podcast or MP3 versions. If you go to www.searchfortruthpodbean.com you can browse the list of previous talks which you'll see has been sorted into categories to assist you to find what you're looking for. So, thanks once again for the pleasure of your company today and your interest in these studies. I hope you enjoyed today's programme. So please join us if you can next week when we'll be learning from yet another biblical grandparent and this time it's a grandmother. So until then, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So cheerio and may God richly bless you. Mm -hmm.